0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are live on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Tracks. I'm Drew Silva. With me here is Ryan Boyer. It's Sunday, February 26th. Uh, We're going to continue our category preview series on this episode. We covered runs scored, me and Chris Crawford on Saturday, and now Ryan and I somehow got stuck with pitcher wins, uh, which definitely feels like an antiquated stat in many ways, Um, but it's part of the standard five by five fantasy baseball scoring. So it's an angle you have to consider on draft day when you're when you're analyzing individual pitchers. Um, we'll get into it. We'll throw our hands up in frustration and confusion with having to deal with pitcher wins, along with the rest of fantasy managers out there. Uh, what's up, Ryan? First podcast here on the the RotoWire airwaves. I guess tell the people who you are. I'm I'm a, I'm a bad interviewer. <laughs> oh, you're good, man. Um...
2: Yeah, so I guess it's been um, uh, 17 years now in the fantasy industry, something like that. I I don't even know if you know this. I actually got my first job in fantasy was with Roto-Wire.
1: I did Um, not know that. I did not know that.
2: I think it was either late 04 or I know I was working for them at 05. I was uh, the Cardinals and Rams. And, uh, actually the blues
1: beat writer, even though really?
2: I don't know anything about hockey, talking to the guy with blues stuff in the background. Um, but I distinctly remember I was working for them in 05 because that was, I got to, uh, blurb, b- write the note, whatever for, uh, the pool's home run off of Lidge. So that was, I'm sure that
1: didn't sound homery at all on the on the Rotowire site, but yeah, I guess, I guess we should both acknowledge at the top here that we're both pretty diehard Cardinals fans. Um, yeah. So if mm-hmm. the Cardinals come up in a natural conversation, we apologize. Yeah. And,
2: and it's funny too, because I told uh, uh DJ trainer, the personnel guy, guy who does personnel for Rotowire. Um, when I was first talking with him, he was able to look back in my archives to see like my first and last blurb from my first go-round and my first one was Reggie Sanders I remember that <laughs> Wow. last one was Rick Ankiel, who I know holds a special place in both mine and your hearts so
1: I was Go. gonna pull up, pull up his baseball that he threw to me in Cincinnati but it's gonna cause the other baseballs to fall
2: <laughs> I'm still pretty upset that the Rick Ankiel that that last comeback didn't come to fruition I was it would have been a nice uh, bookend to a pretty storybook. Was that during COVID? What's that?
1: Was that during COVID? That he was trying to read it before that, and he like started
2: throwing, and his elbows hurt. Start hurting again, and he I think he actually had a surgery, and he yeah, was like that's forty. Right. But,
1: yeah, I'm gonna it, apologize for some audio issues too. I think be- Chris, or I mean, Brian's computer wasn't working, so he he had to get on his phone, and I think if we talk over each other, it, like, cuts us off, so, sorry, guys, this is our first podcast together, we'll, we'll work out um, any issues moving forward, so, after Roto-Wire, you, yeah, you worked for, like, a local St. Louis fantasy, side. Yeah, I went,
2: uh, Mike Sheets, a buddy of mine, got me on at a place, called it was called Roto-Times then. Um. It was actually started up by Nate rabbits. Uh he was
1: yeah.
2: I think of Nate and Matthew Berry's podcast as kind of the original fantasy podcast back in the day. Uh Nate's moved on to more uh administrative stuff, but he was my first boss at Roto Times and then it turned into Fanball. Um Patrick Doherty, who we know, uh also worked at worked with him a little bit at Fanball. Kay Adams, who has done some great stuff, was was with Fanball for a little bit. And then you actually, uh, kind of a friend of a friend, got me on at NBC. We were there together for 10 years, longer than I think I started full-time in 2010,
1: 2011. I can't remember exactly.
2: But yeah, uh, and now we're here back together again
1: at rotowire yeah shout out to tim king that's that sort of friend of friend that we have yeah. and yeah, i remember he um we were living together and he was like hey uh one of my like sister's friends is this right um was my, that, he, wife. my wife is like best
2: friends with his sister
1: right okay and he was like uh is looking for he like has been writing about fantasy baseball for a while and is was looking for a gig and I, I think it was like was it around spring training too when we're always trying to find people um and you were just immediately caught on um i i i, I tell people like ryan's just the kind of guy you can just leave alone and he's a grinder and gets the job done so um, no i'm serious man you're you're just a, a very good hard-working talented writer and, and i'm I'm glad to be working with. You again, um, you say that again, sorry. I, I think when I talk over you, it cuts you off. I was just saying right back at you,
2: buddy.
1: Oh, thanks. Whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was at a wedding last night at River City Casino here in St. Louis. So shout out to my, a lot of shout outs on this show. Shout out to my cousin, Claire. Uh, but I think the open bar got the best of me. So I'm on the water today on the water train. What's your uh, go-to wedding drink? And then we'll get started with, with this show.
2: Uh, so my my drink, whether I'm at a wedding or out at a bar, or ninety five percent of the time it's just at home, is a uh, Tito's and water with a
1: lemon, Wine. lemon wedge.
2: Yeah, as as uh, the great scholar Rob Gronkowski says, vodka water works really well because you get the effects of the alcohol and you also get hydrated at the same time
1: i don't know about the science behind that gronk doctor <laughs> that's
2: what does.
1: i'm going with it yeah I'm, i mixed it up last night um i remember like during the cocktail hour i saw they had red bull at the at the bar at the open bar and i was like oh you guys are doing red bull vodkas he's like yeah usually not at 6 p.m but if you want. And I was like, yes, I do want. <laughs> so that, that started me down a bad path. Um, yeah, the rebel vodka. That was,
2: that's a, that's a college days. I think since I've had those, I know
1: I haven't grown up at all, um, but I'm, a- I'm, I'm doing okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll make it through. We're talking pitcher wins here. That's why we're kind of just, I don't know, wandering through the wilderness. It's just, I don't know. Is there like any general strategy to the pitcher win? I don't really think so. Like, as philosophically, do you have any take on on how to to naturally so, target a pitcher? Uh, I mean, in general, you're
2: looking for. Uh, we all know that wins are just so fluky, um, but in general, you're going to want to target guys on good teams who ideally pitch deep into games. Yep. Um, and you also like don't want to a lot of people i know like to stream to like pick up wins in the second half or whatever if they're trailing in that category but i mean that's gonna maybe pick up a few wins here and there but it's gonna hurt your era it's gonna hurt your whip and you're gonna be using those precious roster spots that you're using for streamers where you could you know if you get an injury to your offense you can't pick up somebody for that if you want to a streamer in there so it's just like you really don't want to put yourself in that situation if you can avoid it um so you have to have it in your in your mind on draft day um even as difficult as they can be to uh predict from you know day to day week to week season to season um it's still one of those stats that you uh you gotta have to win so no pun intended
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot like runs. And I I know you listened to at least part of our show from Saturday. You're just kind of, I mean, runs and wins, like good pitchers in good situations, good hitters in good situations are generally going to get you those stats. It's not like something you can necessarily build into an outlook, but I don't know. There are guys like Sandy Alcantara, who you know is going to like probably lead the league and complete games and and possibly shutouts. And yeah, we'll, we'll get into the guys that that led that category last year and, and look at some some potential sleepers, maybe some guys to avoid who are in not so good of situations. Uh, big news on Sunday morning with Manny Machado signing that massive long-term extension with the Padres. My first reaction to that, maybe just being a, a Cardinals fan, was Nolan Arnado might need a new agent. Um, he had the opportunity to opt out of his contract back in November. I thought he was going to. Um, I know that he really likes St. Louis, and he's just kind of glad to be out of out of the Rockies organization. Uh, but once those contracts started flying, like the you know Xander Bogarts, Trey Turner, um, and, and then you see this Manny Machado deal, it's like uh, he really left a lot of money on the table. Even if he wanted to stay with the Cardinals, he could have got another year tacked on it. Forty million dollars or something. They would have. They would have done that. I wonder
2: if. I mean, if that. Do you know if like opt-out decisions? All opt-out decisions have to be made in a certain date. Like, because if Arenado's was later in the off-season, I mean, I think he had to have opted out. Uh, nobody was That's- quite expecting the, the spending spree that we that we saw. I mean, even at the time when he did make the decision, it seems like i mean he definitely could have gotten more money but absolutely you could have you know a month two months later than that uh but yeah i'm not sure uh, technicality wise if if opt-out decisions have to be made at a certain point uh however many days after the world series or whatever but uh, cardinals are fortunate that he he did not opt out for sure
1: it seems like it's a standard date and i don't i can't say with certainty because like When you see guys on minor league contracts, their opt-out dates are different. Right. Um, But I think maybe in a situation like this, like the MLBPA and major league baseball agreed that it should be whatever, five, 10 days after the world series. It was like mid-November wasn't when he had to make that decision. Five days after
2: the conclusion of the world series sounds right, but I don't want to write that. And (laughs) so,
1: yeah, something, something in that range. I mean, there's not much to really analyze with Machado, um, I thought this was going to happen. It, it made a lot of sense. The Padres have thrown around a ton of money, and he's still relatively young for how long he's been around. I mean, he debuted at age nineteen with the Orioles, right? Um, so it feels like he's yeah, he's age twenty, was it?
0: Something like that. 19- yeah, nineteen twenty.
1: So he's been <laughs> around forever, but I think there's still at least eight. Well, there's still seven. Seven-ish good years left in that bat. Just the how complete of a hitter he is, and how complete of a defensive player he is. I mean, hmm. um, he's a guy that you feel comfortable giving that kind of deal to. There've been kind of peaks and valleys in his career. Fantasy managers know that. Yeah, um, he's he's kind of changed. He he was like a you know he, he he had more speed back then, but now he's more of just like an RBI machine. I, there was a while there where he he didn't have an 100 RBI season and. And now yeah. he's a guy you bank on to to get those, especially in that great Padres lineup that, that tends to roll over often.
2: Yeah. Peter Peter Seidler for president, that's what I tweeted out earlier. I think I'm pronouncing that name right. Padres. Yeah. Owner. I mean, if if we could get more baseball owners like him and Steve Cohen, that would be that would be nice. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, I was or when Xander Bogart signed with the Padres, they were kind of looking that looking at that as Possible Manny insurance if he did eventually lopped out and depart. Um, but, you know, so now kind of status quo, I guess, in, in San Diego. Like, I guess it increases the chances that Tatis is going to stay in the outfield, which I think he was probably going to anyway
1: now. Yeah, I think, I think that makes sense for Tatis. I mean, I think he should play center field. Um, and I know he's kind of expressed a, a desire to play center field. They're talking about you know right field, uh, maybe both corner outfield spots. But with his skill set, his speed, his arm, I think he'd be a terrific long term center fielder if if he can stay healthy and off the PEDs. Agreed. Yep. Um, what other big news do we have? Ozzy Albie's revealed was that on Sunday that or on Saturday that he had shoulder surgery over the off season, but he's supposed to get into. Camp games. I guess as, as, at first as a designated hitter, but should be able to play second base sometime yeah. this, this upcoming week.
2: Yeah, he. I know he was in the lineup in the DH spot Saturday. I'm not sure about today. Uh, they're saying like a week or so he'll, he'll stay in the as a as a DH. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's kind of a this point of you know mid to late February we find out about guys who have kind of nagging injuries and. Surprise, I had sur- shoulder surgery back in October. You know, Albies is already coming off an injury-plagued season. He broke his foot, cost him a lot of time. Then he broke, or I can't remember if it was a fractured finger or like a yeah. ligament in his finger that officially ended his season. He, he didn't really hit very well last year either. I kind of worry a little bit that he's going to be one of those guys that, I mean, the ball stays D juice, like he's never, he's never had like great exit velocity numbers. He's kind of a little bit of a compiler to a certain degree. Uh, I mean, if the ball is not as bouncy and if he you know hits sixth instead of second in that Braves lineup, I think he could be a little, a little overrated for fantasy. Uh, mm-hmm. And this kind of throws another, uh, another question mark next to him. But yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, They say it was arthroscopic, a a cleanup procedure, but I mean, still his shoulder. So gotta be a little bit of worry there.
1: Yeah. It was for an impingement. This isn't like a labrum tear situation. And again, he's pretty much recovered from it by now. They're just kind of easing him in, but I agree with you. I think you put it well saying he's more of a compiler, a little bit teammate dependent and Mm -hmm. Hey, that's a great lineup. um, And he's going to probably be a compiler if, if, if everyone's healthy and that lineup is rolling, right. um, and he's not coming at the, the draft day cost that he was coming at, you know, even a couple years ago, so you bake that in. I, I wouldn't be surprised if I if I wind up with a few shares of him along the way. Um, you know, sometimes you get to a certain point in the draft and you're like, hey, there's speed here and he's in a really good lineup. And you know, if you're playing in a league with a middle infield spot. I don't know if that I'd want him to be my primary second baseman in a shallower league. I, I definitely want to have a backup plan there. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, again, yeah, it's, it's, it's a knock into his outlook for 2023, I would say, but not, not a significant one. You're I think you're kind of just analyzing the player for, for who he is right now. Um, say Suzuki yeah. had a little bit of oblique issue. I, did, did you say something? I feel like I, I cut you off. <laughs> no, I was just going to
2: add, I mean, the- Second base too is kind of a weak position, yep. um but just in terms of viewing Albie's next to like a Jose Altuve, the other elite second baseman, I think I would put him a little a hair behind those guys. But I mean, he's still probably going to be fine as long as he stays healthy.
1: I'm looking at ADP right now. I mean, you really have to scroll. Well it's Mookie Betts who is eligible at second base in some leagues, Marcus Simeon, Jose Altuve, Jazz Chisholm, Tommy Edman, Ozzy Albies. Um, mm-hmm. That's, that's at least on, yeah, that's consensus. And then Andres Jimenez, Gleber Torres, Max Muncie. Uh-huh. It, you know, that that's a position that falls off pretty quickly, but if you're playing in like a 12 team league or something, a standard sort of casual league, you, you can find a, a guy to plug in there. Um, Seiya Suzuki had an oblique issue pop up, got scratched from the Cubs' Cactus League lineup on Saturday. Um, They were sending him for imaging. I was looking for an update. I don't think they've revealed anything. Did you see anything before we hopped on? No, I think I
2: probably saw the same thing as you. They're sending Mm him today, and I believe uh, they're expected to provide an update Monday, so we should find out more then. I mean – I guess if there's a silver lining is that this happened in late February and not mid-March, but, you know, we all know obliques can, can kind of nag and uh, three, four weeks is what it could cost if it's, you know, a significant strain. So hopefully we'll get to good news Monday. Um, I mean, Suzuki's a guy I like targeting this year in drafts. Get off to an awesome start last year, which is kind of, kind of atypical for, you know, cut guys coming over from you know Japan and Korea, and, um, and then just completely fell off. I, he got hurt. I, I want to say it was a finger injury or a wrist or something. The wrist,
1: yeah. Just,
2: um, but then eventually he was healthy again and had a really strong finish. And if you look at his statcast page, there's a, a lot of red on there. I think the only thing that he really didn't excel in other than defensive metrics didn't really like him Mm. Uh, but his strikeout rate was not great but he also was like 90th percentile on chase rate so that seems like something that would probably regress in a good a good way for him um so uh, as like your third outfielder i I really like targeting him so i'm hoping that he's
1: not going to be out too
2: long with this oblique honey
1: yeah, I was. I mean, I was hyping him up on our Saturday show. Like, runs, and he, he put on twenty pounds. He said over the off season. If that was muscle, and then he strains his oblique like in the the first oh. week of spring games, I'm a little bit worried about that. Um, but we'll we'll wait to find out exactly what the report is. I feel like it's it's going to be a strain. We'll see what the severity is. Um, and and man, that, if that costs him much of March. You know, maybe he gets back for like the final week of of, ga- of exhibition games and, and then is in the Cubs lineup on opening day. But I'd be a little bit worried about his ability to catch up there. But, hey, this could be a situation we've all had this experience where there's a little red tag on a guy's name um, mm-hmm. when you pull up, you know, the the draft interface, and he's going to maybe come at a bit of a discount because of that, because people that aren't tracking the news like you and I do or maybe our listeners do – um, they don't know that it, this isn't really that severe of an injury and that he should be at least playing at some point in April, if not on opening day in, in, at the end of March. Yeah, you could
2: definitely see him being one of those guys that sits at the top of the queue for mm-hmm. two. Um I'm guessing probably a backdated IL stint. That would be my just complete speculation right now. But, you know, we'll find out more Monday, it sounds like.
1: All right, we'll 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 move into the pitcher wins. We've avoided it for long enough. Let me bust out some live reads here, though. The, the fantasy baseball season is underway, and there's no better place to play than Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy baseball. Right now, Underdog has MLB best ball tournaments live, including the Dinger, which has 500 grand in total prizes. In best ball, all you are doing is join a contest, draft your team, and that's it. There are no waivers, no trades, and no in-season management. Draft 20 rounds of players and get the best cumulative scores in your starting lineup. Three pitchers, three infielders, three outfielders, and one flex each week of the regular season. Getting started is simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with the promo code RWMLB. That's RWMLB. And not only will Underdog double your initial deposit up to one hundred dollars, but you also get six months of our RotoWire subscription for free. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy promo code RWMLB. Draft your one hundred k dinger team today. Um, I love those best ball things, man. That's that's something that it became very popular in football first, and I I just love the idea of it in baseball. You know, set it and forget it. You feel good. You do your draft analysis, and then. You just kind of track your team throughout the year. Um, if you're looking for a place to customize your fantasy league and play a variety of formats, we cannot recommend tracks enough. Create the scoring systems that you want to play with, waivers, categories, scoring systems, schedule, tracks offers custom solutions for all of that and more, and it's all free. Um, I personally love tracks' user interface. I love running mock drafts on there or just running leagues on there. It's simple but also filled with everything you could ever want for a customizable league. Uh, sign up for free today and be entered to win an official MLB signed jersey from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Simply go to Fantrax.com RotoWire and sign up today. That's F-A-N-T-R-A-X.com RotoWire. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled dot com
1: slash BlueWire.
0: Rules and restrictions apply.
1: All right, let's get into pitcher wins. Uh, the 2022 wins leaders, we can just kind of run it down. Kyle Wright at the top, which if you weren't really paying attention last year, that might surprise you. Justin Verlander, Kyle Wright had 21. Justin Verlander had 18. Julio Urias had 17. Framber Valdez also 17. Uh, you Darvish 16. Tony Gonsolin, 16. Alec Manoa 16. I really like him this year. Uh, Tyler Anderson 15. That was a surprise. Chris Bassett 15. Uh, when he was on the Mets, Carlos Carrasco made it to 15. That was nice to see. Luis Garcia of the Astros 15. And then Otani Cal Quantrill, which is kind of surprised. Logan Webb, and there's our boy Sandy Alcantara with 14. That's the, the top 15 in, in terms of pitcher wins last season. I don't know. Anything stand out to you about that list, kind of putting you on the spot?
2: Yeah, I mean, Kyle Wright had a little bit of late helium, I feel like. Um, He's pitching well in spring training last year, but, I mean, he went undrafted and. In- yeah, So many leagues. Uh, that gives you an idea of the, you know, we're trying to tell people how to project pitcher wins and a guy who wasn't drafted in a lot of leagues is by far the wins leader of, of last season. Goes to show how fluky it can be. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of these names are what you, what you expected for Lander, of course, was amazing coming back from, from Tommy John surgery, uh, Julio Urias, I believe has a pretty wide, uh, edge over everybody over like the last three years and wins. He's just obviously on that Dodgers team and pitches pretty deep in the games normally, but you got some surprises in there too. Like you mentioned, um, Tyler Anderson, the, Do- the Dodgers working magic with him, Cal Quantrill kind of, uh, looks like a pretty fluky one there at the towards the bottom of the leaderboard but a lot of the familiar names as well
1: there isn't a ton of buzz about Tyler Anderson right now for how good he was last year I, maybe people just don't really believe it um you know I don't know we'll see the the 2023 betting odds I, I wanted to bring up for regular season wins leaders we can kind of comb through this uh Garrett Cole is your favorite at plus 1000. Justin Verlander is second on that list at plus 1400. You've got Max Fried, Julio Urías and Shane McClanahan all at plus 1500. Framber Valdez at plus 1600. That is kind of intriguing. Uh, Carlos Rodon at plus 1600, Shane Bieber, Max Scherzer, Sandy Alcantara also in, at plus 1600, Jacob deGrom plus 1700 if if you believe that he can stay healthy and be an ace for the Rangers. Um, Corbin Burns plus 1700 is pretty interesting. Uh, a bunch of guys at plus 1800, like Kevin Gosman. That's kind of intriguing. Dylan C, Zach Wheeler, Logan Webb is plus 2000. Alec Manoa plus 2000. This is, I just pulled this up on, on DraftKings too. So I, I know different sports books are going to be, um, you know, ranking these guys differently. Aaron Nola plus 2000. Shoei Otani plus 2200. Maybe the angels push him. Um, deeper into games because he's probably going to hit free agency next winter. You, you see any like long shots here um, that that would be intriguing? Robbie Ray at plus five thousand. I know he he's got some problems sometimes with command that can limit how how late he works in the games. But for that Mariners team, I I could see him being a decent value. Spencer Strider at plus three thousand. Um, yeah. I actually like
2: both of the plus four thousand guys. Uh, Joe Musgrove and Brandon Woodruff both at plus 4,000. Like, I would uh, I'd put a little taste on those. Uh, Woodruff has had his issues staying healthy at times, but I mean, he's undoubtedly an ace when he is healthy. Um, the Padres, I think, are going to be awesome. Joe Musgrove has earned that big contract last year. You know, plus 4,000 for those two guys. I think those would probably be my favorite two plays on the board. Man I'm
1: yeah I'm with you on Musgrove. I mean he's just in a perfect situation to 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 finish with 20 wins like right? Um <laughs> you know, who knows again this stat is just impossible to really measure and analyze. Um, but the situation is right and he's a really good pitcher with really good run prevention numbers, good command, the kind of dude that you can project to have, you know, one of the largest workloads in in the majors because there are some health concerns I think in that Padres rotation. Um, So maybe he has to carry a a larger load. Um, Yeah. Maybe we should uh, head over to Illinois and and combine on a a little play for that. If if you, if you, if you want to, the
2: Padres are, I will add this though, that they it sounds like they're going to go with a six man rotation, at least at the beginning of the season. So he's not going to have as many chances at those wins, but you know, as long as he stays healthy, yeah, he's still probably good. they'll probably go back to a five man at some point.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of what I think. Whenever I hear a six man rotation, like, right. all right, I he, we've been doing this a while. I hear, that, I hear that every year, and then, I mean, all right, if you have six healthy, productive starters, you'll go for it. Um, i mean, I mean yeah, go ahead.
2: Be more aggressive on the base pass too. The yeah. annual spring uh, tradition.
1: Yeah, he added 20 pounds of muscle. He's in the best shape of his life. Like I'm I'm pretty over those stories by now. We've been writing them up for the last three weeks or so. Um, ready for some real baseball to start. Um, yeah, Chris Bassett kind of stands out to me too. I I actually put a wager on him to to win the league or to to lead the league in wins last year. It didn't quite work out, but he was top 10. Um, he's the number 38 starting pitcher off the board or or in that area in consensus average draft position pitching deep into games with solid run prevention numbers on a, a very loaded blue Jays team. It's, it's almost a better situation than, than what he had with the Mets. Like, um, man, I don't know. At plus 3000, that's, that's pretty intriguing. Um, let's dig into some names that could actually be sleepers in, in the win category and some other guys to maybe avoid or or that we don't necessarily love at their current ADP in, in terms of being able to rack up those wins. You want to take it first?
2: Sure. Um, uh, Reed Detmers is a guy I like quite a bit. He had kind of a weird 2022 season. He had that no hitter in I think late may, but like, All of his starts around that no-hitter were not good. Like, he really wasn't pitching well. And I think even during the no-hitter, he only had, like, two strikeouts or something. Uh, And he actually was optioned back to the minors in, like, late June. Then he went back to his old slider. I can't remember if he changed the grip or he uh, maybe changed his arm slot or something. But he went back to his old slider. He was throwing it, like, significantly harder. Um, And then his last... 71 innings. He had a 3.04 ERA, 78 strikeouts over those 71 innings. Um, former top prospect, you know, the, the Angels rotation, you know, we mentioned the six-man rotation that a lot of teams are talking about now. They've legitimately had a six-man rotation for a few years now, but this year, while they're saying it's going to be still technically a six-man rotation, Phil Nevin has said that that 6 spot is going to be more of like a swing man. Um, so the plan is to pitch not only Otani, but all their regular top five starters on five days rest instead of, you know, I think Otani made like, he's used to making like 80% of his starts on like six plus days rest, but now it's mm-hmm. going to be his rest regularly. And that's what nurse is going to have as well. You know, he, he built up to, I think like 150 innings or so. So we should have a pretty decent workload. Um, I think we could see him break out and provide some wins on a pretty good angels team. Uh, I I think I picked them actually to make the playoffs finally last year as one of the, that didn't work out well, but actually I like what they did over the off season. I think they should be pretty, pretty decent. Um, yeah. Redepth, has some breakout potential there for a ADP app outside the top 200.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the first time in a while that I I look at the rotation. And I don't like kind of laugh, you know. <laughs> like it's, they've got some dude Tyler Anderson who we talked about. If if he can carry over, you know, any semblance of what he was last year with with, with the Dodgers, that's that's going to be pretty impressive. Otani again. I think they might. It's not like they they've been taking it easy with him like he obviously is is DHing and being a, a an ace you know even if it's only every six days um uh pablo or patrick sandoval not pablo sandoval um jose suarez detmers as you mentioned tucker davidson we'll see what they do with that six-man spot i think you're right in that they could rotate a lot of guys and they still haven't really figured out the the middle infield situation i don't know if brandon Drury is necessarily the answer he's had some sparks here and there but um, yeah, yeah. I, I guess Luis Ren- Renhifo could kind of be a sneaky, you know, productive guy. I wouldn't call him a breakout candidate, but something something better than the, what they've gotten over the last few years. Yeah,
2: I mean, certainly better than David Fletcher, with apologies to David Fletcher. Yeah. And Hamilton Simmons, all well, their other light-hitting middle infielders they've dealt with, but yeah, and Renhifo had... The second half, he was hit over three hundred and provided some surprising power, a little bit of speed. So, yeah, I kind of like that Angels club.
1: I was trying to bring up their their win total, but I I, I don't know what their over under win total is. It's probably around high seven or probably around like eighty point five or something. That's what they Vegas likes to do with those kind of teams. Yeah. Um, Jordan Montgomery is going to be my first. Eh, not necessarily a sleeper, but his ADP is all over the map: 127 on ESPN, 211 on CBS, 191 on Yahoo, 163 on NFBC. Um, that that tells me that like the preloaded rankings are probably over the all over the map on him as well. Like because that's how a lot of people draft, just sort of following these rankings that pop up in a given draft room. That's why you should be a RotoWire subscriber. Um, we can give you a better sense for where some of these guys should be picked. Um, Montgomery with a full year, making half his starts at Bush Stadium, like give that to me. I, I, I know that his second month with the Cardinals was not nearly as successful as his first month, but that showing in August tells you what he can be, um, what he can do with with that defense in that stadium that, you know, offense suppressing stadium and defense overall a 3.11 era 1.08 whip 61 strikeouts only 13 walks and 63 plus innings with st louis he threw a shutout during his short time with with the cards you got to figure they'll ask him to handle a pretty significant workload um there's some question marks in that rotation with steven Matz and jack flaherty and adam wainwright's not getting any younger and and montgomery's scheduled to become a free agent after this season Um, so you, if if you like the contract year narrative, it doesn't always work out, but um, it's something to it's a data point, I guess. Um, he opened up his arsenal, I'm I'm sure you remember this after the Yankees traded him. He's he's kind of just admitted that he could trust his stuff more without having to worry about those short porches at at Yankee Stadium. Um, and it's you know that pitch to contact approach, getting out of the Bronx, you know. Um, maybe he's not going to get you a, a K per inning and maybe the ERA is going to be mid, even high threes. Um, but just win baby. I I, I think there's a lots, lo, lots to like in this profile. And especially in the wins department, he's set up to, to rack up a good amount of wins. Yeah. And,
2: and Holly Marmol too. I mean, he's, I think he's the youngest manager in baseball, right. And kind of known as a, a guy who's into the analytics, but I feel like he lets his starters pitch pretty deep into games. Um, I think he could do that with Montgomery, especially since, he, as you mentioned, he's in his, in his walk year. And <clears throat> Montgomery's also a guy who's um, his swinging strike rate has always been way better than what his actual strikeout rate is. So I think there could actually be a little more in the tank there from a strikeout perspective. I know this is a wins wins podcast, but, um, you know, that helps him obviously pitch deeper in the games and it's going to give him a better chance
1: at at wins. So, yeah, I like that Montgomery call. Who's your next sleeper, if we can call him that?
2: Yeah, I'm going to stay in the same division and go with uh, Marcus Stroman. Um, The Cubs... Might not be terrible this year. They actually spent some some money this offseason. Um, that middle infield defense could be among the game's best with C. Uh, Swanson added to to Nico Horner and Marcus Stroman. A ton of ground balls, so he's going to need to rely on that on that defense. Um, got off to a little bit of a a slow start in his first year in. In Chicago, but then he has 2.71 second-half ERA. Generally known as a guy who's pretty durable, mm-hmm. um, pitches pretty deep into games, and like Montgomery, could be a walkier for him as well. He actually has a player option for 2024, but I mean, if he pitches well, I don't know why he wouldn't exercise that, that opt-out or not pick up the player option, however you want to say it. Um, still relatively young. I think he's 31. So he, he could still net a, a pretty decent sized contract. Um, you know, with the shift ban, generally you're kind of want to, I think, shy away from guys who don't get as many strikeouts. Um, but as I mentioned, the that middle infield defense should be really good. Um, Eric Osmer, I know he's, uh, the analytics say he's not a good defender, but he's a pretty solid defender. It I think at first base too. Um, probably Patrick Wisdom at third, maybe Christopher Morel, mm-hmm. but good infield defense behind him. Um, I think Marcus Stroman, you know, pitching in his what figures to be probably his walk here is uh, going to pitch deep into games, get a get a, a decent shot at you know fifteen plus wins.
1: Yeah, and you know that Cubs rotation was awesome over the final two months of the season, but I don't know. I don't believe in some of those guys. There's you know some guys that that I like, but it's, I, yeah, they're they're gonna they're gonna pitch Stroman as much as he wants to pitch. You know, Samson? say that again, Adrian Samson and and <laughs> Javier Assad. I like. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my second guy is gonna be Koday Kodai Senga, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty around him naturally coming over from Japan, and also because the early reports on him out of Mets camp out of Mets camp were, were less than encouraging. He was having trouble adapting to the bigger MLB baseball, the steeper slope of the MLB mound. Um but he's he's the word is that he's showing better command now. He hit 98 miles per hour in a recent live batting practice session. I believe that was on Thursday. Um, so he's figuring out those aspects of, of life in Major League Baseball. And he's on a very expensive and seemingly very good Mets team, a, a 1.89 ERA last year and 23 starts for the Soft Bank Hawks of Nippon Professional Baseball. You know, any taste of that, if he could bring it over to Major League Baseball. He's going to be in line for a lot of wins. At at a one ninety three ADP on Yahoo, one ninety on NFBC. Again, there's a lot of uncertainty here. I'm not coming from you know I'm not coming at this from an educated place more than anyone outside of the Mets organization and the people that scouted him and, and gave him that sizable contract. But I think that's a pretty palatable ADP for a pitcher who's in a good situation and at least showed in Japan that he can he can strike people out and he can pitch to a really low era it's just yeah it's it's a palatable draft day price i think for what he could potentially be and i don't mind getting in on, on that um in the first year that he's over in major league baseball and yeah if you're if you're waiting to, p- to pick 200 and his name's there why not take a shot sure he's got the what do they call it the ghost fork mm-hmm. to go- that's right the upper 90s
2: Fastball, and I mean this is kind of anecdotal, but I feel like being in the same rotation as Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer probably couldn't hurt. Um, they can probably teach him a thing or two. Uh, Buck Walter likes to give his guy, his starting pitchers, some leash. I think he could pitch pretty deep into games. Like you mentioned, that Mets, that Mets team should be really good. Yeah, I mean, as you've mentioned, that's a, there's certainly an element of uncertainty, but you know, I I, I agree. I like the potential for some wins for Senga.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I, I think I said it, but I, I don't know what to expect. But I I just feel like the situation is ripe for him to to have a really successful first year. Um, and and I I I just think I'd I'd be willing to take a chance on that that actually coming to fruition with with where he is and, and the numbers that he put up in Japan. All right, give me another one. I'm going to go with
2: ranger Suarez. Um, you know, he kind of went back and forth between starting relieving for the first while for, with, with the Phillies. So last year was his first, um, uh, kind of full-time spot in the rotation. So it got off a little bit of a slow start. I'm sure that's part of the reason why, but in the second half and the postseason combined, he had a 2.83 ERA, um, He's going to be built up more, I think, between the the innings during the regular season and the, and the Phillies' postseason run to the pennant. Uh, he piled up like 170 innings, so he should be able to not be under any workload restrictions at all in 2023. Um, Phillies, I think you and I both agree, are going to be really good again. Um, yeah, Ray Suarez, I think he's – I mean, he's outside the top 200 – 230-ish, I think, well, the consensus ADP between the um, multiple sites. But he's 15-plus wins again for him. I mean, I, I think that's within reach.
1: Yeah, I man, I, I was looking at his ADP and kind of surprised. I figured there'd be a little bit more hype. Like it's, It seems like he was going earlier last spring than he is sure. right now. Um, and, of course, like y- you knew that there was going to be some ERA regression from what he did in 2021, but he was still plenty of, good. Um, And he passes the eye test for me in a great situation there with the Phillies. I like that one a lot. I was looking at the Mets rotation too, and we didn't even mention Jose Quintana. Um, I can't believe that he only went for, what was it, two years, $26 this winter? Yeah. And I don't want to make this a Cardinals podcast, but how did they not match that or beat that? Yeah, he kind of turned back
2: the clock. I mean, he was good for the Pirates, um, but it was just took it to another level for the Cardinals down the stretch, was their game one starter in the postseason and went, was it five shutout innings, five and a third shutout
1: innings? He got Uh, pulled at six and two-third, I think.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. I was at that. I don't want to talk about what happened at the end. But, yeah, I mean, he changed up his pitch mix a little bit. Um, And, again, I think, you know, being in that Mets rotation with those two Horses at the top probably can't hurt. Um, they can uh, give some give Jose Quintana some pointers too. He's he's not a guy who is going to get a ton of strikeouts at this point, but I think wins definitely could be a he could be a pretty viable category getter.
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of the problem with just focusing on wins. You can't isolate a category like this. Like you got to think about strikeouts and but the ERA will be there at a two point oh one ERA in 62 innings down the stretch last year in St. Louis. Uh also again that that brilliant turn in the wild card series against the Phillies. I went to game 2. It was it was it was not good. At least you had some something to root for early on in game 1. Um but yeah, Quintana right now 331 at NFBC, 302 at Fan Tracks, 358 at Yahoo. Um I get that because of the strikeout rate, but he's not a total zero in that category and um should be a big plus for wins and ERA as a locked-in starter in Queens. A very comfortable late round starter for me in just about any draft. I'd feel very good about adding him as my sixth, seventh starter, depending on what your roster looks like. Um and I don't know. Should we go through some quick hit guys here and then get to some yep. some some avoids? Guys, yeah.
2: That
1: sounds good. Uh, uh yeah, go ahead. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'll go with uh Aaron Savale, um, guy who got off to a terrible start last year, went down with a, I think it was a wrist injury, and after coming back, he was just awesome. He went kind of curveball heavy. That's always been a really good pitch for him. Um, in between, you know, the wrist injury and later he had a kind of a forearm issue, but when he was healthy on the mound the last three months, I think he had like a 3-3-something three, three ERA. Um, Terry Francona, who apparently you shouldn't ask him to cook your pasta for you, but he likes to let his starters go deep in the games. Um, I think Savali's Soval- Soval- had issues with the injuries as well, uh, but, you know, if he could stay... Healthy on that Guardians team, which should be pretty good. Um, I think he could be kind of a, a sneaky wins guy.
1: I like that. That's a nice play. How do you break your tooth on pasta? <laughs> I mean, I've heard of
2: al dente, but that's to another level.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> I've heard of al dente. Um, Brandon fought stands out to me, and Chris and I probably talked too much Diamondbacks on Saturday's show, but. Here's another appealing piece of, of what they have going on down in Arizona. Already some buzz out of camp that thought could be a candidate for the number five spot in the starting rotation. Maybe not to open the year. That that could be a bit of a long shot. But if Ryan Nelson and or Dre Jamison have some early hiccups, I, I think we could see fought pretty soon. 218 strikeouts and 167 innings last season between double A AA and triple A. And obviously this is not a strikeouts podcast, but you love that he already built up a workload like that. Again, 167 innings last year in the minors. So that can be, you know, projected out to 180, 190 innings. Maybe some of that comes in the minors, but um, hopefully a good chunk of it's going to come at the major league level. He's 24 years old. Um so I, I this isn't like a guy that they would rush to the majors at age 21 like he seems like he's built up for it and and ready for it. I like the Diamondbacks lineup. I like parts of it at least. Um I I like the over on their the win total at 74 and a half. Um I think Chris and I talked about this Saturday, but they can get to 80 if if enough things go right. They can challenge for a wild card spot if enough things go right for them. If their young outfielders take off, I mean they could be a really good team. Um yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get I'm going to get burned by the Diamondbacks, aren't I? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I was um I'm going to agree with you. I, I I don't know if they're going to be if that lineup is going to be ready to take the next step, but there's tons of talent up and down. Um, you know, you mentioned the outfielders. They got Gabriel Moreno as well over the offseason. Oh. Uh dealt from a from a depth position in the outfield and added a, a really good young catcher, so yeah, I like the I like the fat call. Um,
1: Is it fat cr- or fat? I think I, it's fat. I've heard fat. The I didn't. I didn't want to call him fat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should
2: we should mention that it's P F A A D T. So it's not a you know. Um, but yeah, if you're if you're searching on your on your uh your fan platform.
1: I mean, yeah, the fact that I don't know how to say his last name and I, I do this for a living tells you that he's kind of an under-the-radar prospect. Like, he he has really taken off recently. And, I mean, there's just glowing reports about how good he looks this spring. I, it's possible that he opens the season in their rotation or or that it happens, you know, after, like, a, you know, a couple bad starts from their four or five slot. Maybe Madison Bumgarner gets, like, pushed to the bullpen. You know, who knows? There's a, there's a lot of potential – pass for fought fat to uh to get into that rotation and then you look at the swing and miss the command he doesn't walk dudes. Um yeah. I, I I really like his profile from a fantasy perspective and um yeah, maybe he really like emerges this year. Uh, another one for me, Cole Irvin in Baltimore, you know, sort of a nice under the radar acquisition for for the Orioles there. If they do indeed take another step forward this year, we're talking about teams that could really break through. Um, with those bigger ballpark dimensions at Camden Yards, Irvin could eat up some wins. Like, yeah, probably more of a streamer because the strikeouts aren't really there and they really never have been. But in deeper formats where the big strikeout pitchers dry up quickly, I think Irvin is probably worth a roster spot. And then in shallower leagues, I think he's going to be a really comfortable streamer at home games if, if the Orioles really get it going. Yeah, I mean guess Cole Irvin. It's okay to, to disagree. No, no, I
2: I actually agree. I was just going to say I don't like how the Orioles have just – they built a ballpark so they could have a gimmicky rotation. Uh, <laughs> I just don't like that they can have the ability to do that. But, I mean, they're getting uh, – they, they have a whole bunch of – other than Grayson Rodriguez uh, – like they just have a bunch of. I kind of like Kyle Bradish too. I think he could be a little bit more than
1: that. But I agree. I, I think there's something there with Bradish. They otherwise they just
2: have a bunch of number five starters who want to pitch to contact and just try to get them to fly out to to left field. And Irvin is perfect for that. He's you know a lefty. He's gonna the righties are gonna be hitting all hitting a lot of fly balls to the warning track. I mean, his numbers at. Is it Ring Central Coliseum in Oakland?
1: I've lost um, track. I just call it Oakland Coliseum now.
2: It's, I mean, it's going to be not their home for too much longer probably. So we don't, we don't need to learn it at this point. Um, but he was like crazy good in Oakland and really bad on the road. So I think at the very least, Baltimore, as weird as it sounds still to say that, um, is pretty much in the same boat as Oakland now as far as a pitcher's park goes. So, yeah, I mean, at the very least, times when he's going to be pitching at home, you want to you want to stream Cole Irvin. Um, another guy I like, and this is kind of just trusting the Rays. Uh, the Rays gave Zach Eflin their largest free agent deal in history. Uh, a guy who I don't think, ever had an ERA below like four, four or something uh, I, like he it's just fairly underwhelming but like some of his metrics have been just intriguing uh, some of the spin rates and the raise like I said I mean at some point you got to trust a team like that that they know what they're what they're doing um, I know he's already caught some buzz in early on in spring training as well with, with how good he has looked. He's had some, you know, injury concerns throughout his career, and he's had knee surgery a, a few times, if you like. Um, but, and the Rays, like, kind of sneakily are letting their starters pitch deeper into games now. Um, I know they're the the originators of the opener and all that, but, you know, because they have uh, a deep stable of starting pitchers now they can let them let their guys kind of go. Um, so you know Eflin, I think could be a, a bit a big beneficiary of that.
1: yeah I mean I, I think it gets con- confused by some people that like the Rays oh they don't let their pitchers pitch deep it's you know there was the Blake Snell situation um, you know that is a, a very famous one. But you know that 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 was a playoff game. Um, management attacks playoff games differently. We saw with Quintana last year. If if the if the pitchers prove capable of handling a large workload, the, the Rays will let them go. They let Shane McClanahan go. They'll, you know, they might have to ease Tyler Glasnow into it, but they'll let him go once he's fully up to speed. Jeffrey Springs is a guy that I think they're going to let him pitch deep into games this year. The reason that they are the originators of a lot of things It's because they have to operate that way. They don't want to operate that way. You know, they want to operate like a traditional baseball team, but they have to get creative. And I think they, yeah, that, that rotation is filled with intriguing guys and they see something in Eflin and man, he's got really good command at times and, and he showed really well down the stretch last year. I, I worry about what the workload's going to be like that. Like what did he pitch 70 innings last year? I guess he pitched a lot in the playoffs too, didn't he? Um, but I, I worry. So
2: not a time not because he was in, in the bullpen for the playoffs.
1: Right. That's right. Um, all right. Let's get into some, some avoids. Uh, yeah. I really like F man 333 ADP on Yahoo 306 at NFBC. That's, that's legit sleeper status. I'm, I'm glad you brought that one to the table. Um, all right. Give me a, give me some guys that you're, you're feeling like you should avoid. For pitcher wins, this is a hard thing to talk about, isn't it? Yeah.
2: <laughs> Not straight up avoid these guys, but guys that I could maybe get disappointed in this, in this category. And I feel like I'm taking the free square here when it, with uh, Kyle Wright after last season. Um, you know, 21 wins. He's uh, – I mentioned in general with the shift restrictions – Right-handed, especially ground ball pitchers, you know, they're they're just naturally going to be facing more left-handed batters. Left-handed batters were affected more by the shift. That's not going to be as as much of the of the case moving forward. Kyle Wright had a, a fifty-five plus percent ground ball rate last year. He gets a ton of ground balls. Um, so he's and doesn't get a whole lot of strikeouts. I mean, he doesn't really hurt you in that category. But I think he struck out a little under a batter per inning last year. So. Uh, Not going to be able to make up for it as much in that regard. Struggled down the stretch as he kind of stretched out um, that workload. Just had a shoulder issue this spring already. Seems like he's going to be okay, but you never want to hear, especially a guy who built up a higher workload than we're used to seeing uh, and struggled down the stretch, and then he comes into camp with a shoulder issue. Not ideal. Um, I'll just go ahead and rattle off another guy too, Kyle Wright. And uh, Tony Gonsolin's another guy I wanted to mention. He had 16 wins and just 24 starts last year and 100. He never threw 100 pitches in a single outing last year. Dodgers are just super careful with his workload. And the injury history is a major reason why, I think. He's dealt with shoulder issues. And I think kind of going – under the radar a little bit is that I don't, the Dodgers are going to be really good again, but I think they've fallen back to the pack as far as they're going to be one of the better teams in the national league. still I think, but they're not going to win hundred games again. And a guy who has had injury issues in the past and doesn't pitch deep into games. I mean, he went, Tony Gonsolin went 16 and one last year. I could, you could easily see him falling back to like, 10 or 11 wins. Um, So that's a guy who, you know, might not give you what you're ultimately looking for in the wins department.
1: Yeah. Sticking in the, with the Dodgers, um, Dustin may like almost straddles the line here between. I really want him, but, probably avoid if we're talking just wins which again this is a, a weird format to discuss some some guys I love this stuff with may obviously but how much is he going to pitch past the fifth inning or so after all the injuries like what did he make just six major league appearances in 2022 and you know there's a possibility that may could get some work out of the bullpen for a stretch as the dodgers like want to quell his workload. Um, That's just something to keep in mind with him. I love the pitcher, not totally sold on the situation for wins, which, again, it seems silly when you're talking about the Dodgers. They're over under. They have the highest over under win total at, at 96, the highest of all 30 major league teams. But they get their wins in a lot of different ways. Um, they can rely on their bullpen. You know they can get four innings out of May early on, and and then pull him or or five, and maybe he gets stretched out to where he's pitching six or seven at some point. But again, they're gonna have to think about the overall workload with him, and and they have the the arms to to get by with not using him as like a traditional starter um, beyond the obvious like Urias and maybe even Clayton Kershaw for wins. I just wonder how this all plays out at the back end with that rotation. Noah Syndergaard maybe they he's somebody the Dodgers could could try to stretch out, but. Can he handle it? Um, I don't know. The reports on Syndergaard have been pretty good this spring. Again, that's just it could just be early camp fodder, but we'll, we'll find out.
2: Yeah, it's interesting with May that you bring up the well, what they could do. Maybe move him to the bullpen. I, you remember what they did it routinely with uh, Kenta Maeda? Like you had to worry about that with fantasy wise. Mm-hmm. Like he would be in the middle of an awesome year with the Dodgers because they. I mean, by August first, all they're thinking about is the postseason. So they make moves just thinking about that, and not about fantasy owners. How dare they? Uh, so, I mean, May could be the new to Maeda in that regard. You
1: what do just- you think? Uh, what do you think on Maeda this year? I mean, he's like what seventeen months removed from Tommy John surgery, I believe. Yeah. It sounds like they, I mean, they're going to stick with a,
2: a five man rotation. It sounds like, and I mean, he's, he's never been a guy who's provided a ton of bulk. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I don't know that they're going to have strict workload restrictions on him. Um, I mean, I really liked him as a kind of guy who's routinely underrated and uh, prior to the elbow surgery but yeah it's going to be interesting to see if they let him go to you know 170 180 innings
1: i've got some uh quick hitter guys these are pretty obvious but freddie peralta like can his health hold up obviously the strikeouts are going to be massive when he's active but a, a really tough guy to bank on in terms of workload and then of course that leads to wins like I Hopefully he can be a seven-inning starter again for the Brewers, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait to want to see that first. At least he's not, you know, he's not going as early as he as he was last year. This time last year, Nick Lodolo I'll throw out too. Like awesome arsenal, love the pitcher, but the Reds are so bad, dude. Like that, I don't know. They've got some intrigue in the rotation with all those guys, but I, I would not trust um, that lineup to to be generating very many leads uh, as the season rolls along. Blake Snell, we talked about. Obviously, the Padres are very stacked, but um, not a guy who is really capable of of working too deep. He, he he did for times last year, but generally, I think the Padres, like we talked about, could they could try for you know a six man rotation and, and and try to try to use Snell in in the best possible way, which is oftentimes just like you know quick bursts of, of four four and two thirds, five innings. Um, yeah, again, it's it's a tricky thing dogging good pitchers because they're not set up for wins. But we're all in this together. I'll send the yep. wire crew and the listeners. You know, we get that wins are not perfect, and it's not something you necessarily target on draft day. It's it's something that you build in to the overall profile.
2: Yeah. Uh, speaking of pitchers that you actually kind of kind of like, but I think could be disappointed a little bit in the wins department, I'll throw out one more as we kind of wrap up here. Framber ba- Valdez. Had 17 wins last season. I think he's another guy who could be impacted by the by the shift ban, and he's kind of the preeminent ground ball pitcher. Uh, doesn't get a ton of strikeouts. And he kind of 16% percentile in the in exit velocity and 18% hard hit rate. I mean, he's allowing a lot of hard contact and kind of got, got a little lucky in that regard. Um, his control was fine last year, but it's kind of – not been great in the past. Uh, can he keep that up again? He had a about a 100 inning jump from from the year prior, as far as his workload goes. Um, we've seen, especially when pitchers uh, pitch deep into into the postseason, uh, especially at the beginning of the following year, they can get off to slow starts. Um, I could see Trevor Valdez being a perfectly solid uh, fantasy option still, but. Maybe Maybe be a disappointment all around, and particularly with the wins category.
1: All right, I like this. It was, it's a weird format for the show. Again, just trying to zero in on pitcher wins, but it was just a reason to talk about some dudes, right? Um, right. As, as we uh, do a little draft prep here, uh, that'll be it for this show. Thank you for tuning into the RotoWire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Brought to you again by underdog fantasy and fan tracks. Hopefully we shed some light on ways to attack the the dreaded pitcher win category. If not yell at us on Twitter, I'm at Drew Silve. Ryan is at Ryan P Boyer. Stay tuned for more episodes. We've got one every day of the week now here on the, on the road to wire fantasy baseball podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Peace out.